Everybody, good morning. Uh, my name is Andrew, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Sanctuary, and I'm so glad to be back with you. Last week, uh, Pastor Steve Weens taught downtown here. Any of you here last week? Yeah, I heard that was amazing. So he kind of kicked off our, our series. Uh, for those of you who are new to the church calendar, new to church in general, new to the Christian story, this is a season uh, that began last week called Pentecost. Uh, it's the, it was the giving of the Holy Spirit. Um, we believe as followers of Jesus that God is somehow three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you see people cross themselves, it's what they're reminding themselves of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, it makes about as much sense and is as clear as a virgin birth or somebody rising from the dead. I mean, if you feel like you have a good grasp on the Trinity, yeah, good, great, arrogant, so, no. Um, uh, <laughs> there is something that feels really hard in this season uh, of church to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I've realized, here's how I get caught up, so to pull the veil back a little bit. I tend to have two people in mind when I, when I teach, when I talk about the scriptures. I know there's a lot more folks that sort of slot into categories. But I tend to think of the person who has no framework for any of this. And then I think of the person who is like rich in church doctrine and has a good solid theological base. So this is like my own, probably more insecurity than it is like passionate heart for the community, sadly. But part of it is like, oh, man, I really desperately want the person who's brand new. Like, I have some friends who came today who are like, yeah, we're kind of new to all this stuff. Like, and is you sure this is a good week to come? I'm like, no, I'm not exactly sure it's a good week to come. But come anyway, because every week's good. Um, and so I want to speak to them. And I want to share with them in language, right, that they'll be able to grab hold of. And, and then there's others that I want to make sure that as I'm doing that, Nothing comes off like is incorrect in my doctrine that I'm projecting. Like, no, 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 let me, I, I understand, you know, how classically we have followers of Jesus have understood this and I'm in agreement with it. I share that with you now um, in that what I want to do, by the way, anyone teachers in the room? Any teachers in the room? Anyone teach? Right, so this is, this is called a, like a heterogeneous group. So many of you who teach in, in classrooms of like 25 to 30 people, you know this. You have kids who are like running ahead of the class, right? They either have learned a lot, they come from maybe a more stable home, they just have a generally high IQ, and then you have folks that are lagging behind, maybe there's difficulties at home, or there's real struggles with certain kinds of learning, depending on the subject that you teach, all of that. There's always a, um, a simplicity on the other side of complexity. There's something that once you wade through all the sort of fascinatingly interesting and intricate and sometimes murky and bogged down uh, understanding of God, right? Why a lot of people don't even want to go to church in the first place because they just assume they're not going to understand anything that's being said up front. Or they try to open their scriptures and they're like, what? Right? They always open it. Always this Leviticus somehow. It's... Right. And those of you who are new to scriptures, you don't know what Leviticus is. Just look up Leviticus, start reading, and then don't lose your faith. We'll reorient you towards something that might help you then understand Leviticus later. 
there's a simplicity on the other side of that complexity, which is, okay, so what does this just really look like in flesh and blood to live out? And so this morning, what I want to invite us to is um, to consider this. The, the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of God, <clears throat> is essentially in terms of our day-to-day living, breathing, acting in the world, we kind of conflate terms. When we hear the voice of God, we say the voice of God, or I I feel like Jesus showed me this, or I had this sense that this was happening, or God made something very real to me of my purpose, or in my hour of need, I felt so deeply loved and cared for, or I felt compelled to go and help this person, or I felt this like tweaking in my soul as I was doing something that wasn't full of life. We use all sorts of different terms if you're a follower of Jesus to describe that. In fact, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have this sense, which doesn't make any rational sense at all. You have this instinct, this however you may rationalize it. There's something else, some sort of sense of right or wrong or direction to go and all of this. I want to humbly submit that not that every time you get that impulse, it's the Holy Spirit, but as Christians, when we're talking about God speaking to us, making Jesus real to us, being filled with the life of the ages is what the scripture calls, like filled with the life of heaven now, it's always the Holy Spirit. Just to be, does that make sense? You may use like, oh, God spoke to me. Cool, just to be clear, just theologically, I'm just trying to like level the playing field. That's the Holy Spirit. I had this inkling, this urge, this sense. If it's actually true and good and beautiful and of God and aligns with scriptures and all this stuff we're gonna talk about through the series, it's the Holy Spirit. So, anyone ever met anybody who's a total like free spirit? Any one of you, like, how would you be like, if someone defined me, they'd be like, I'm a, I'm a free spirit. How many of you would self-define? Genuinely, I know sometimes I ask people to raise their hands, like, not, not actually, but you would be like, yeah, I'm kind of a free spirit. Yeah, free spirits wouldn't actually usually do that, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm not listening to you. I would, no. <laughs> Some of you did. That's all right. Um. I have a friend, I always have a friend. I always change the gender and the time and the circumstances so none of you can decode because Rhode Island's a pretty small space, amen? Right? I had somebody find me out one time in a sermon. They're like, so she was really Jay, wasn't she? It's like, no. It was pretty indicting. <laughs> it was not a good one. I have a friend I'll, I'll keep the agenda to say he uh, is one of these people that I'm just, I'm not sure there's one impulse in him to like stay grounded anywhere. It's just, I have no idea what's going on in the depths of his heart or anyone's heart, but it appears on the outside that he just sort of walks like on what that was. He walks on just a layer of cloud. Not that he's happy all the time, but it's like, you know, I just feel this sense that I'm supposed to. And he goes, we need to just stay up all night. And this is my favorite. We need to stay up all night. And let's put on some cigarettes, this band from Iceland that sings gibberish for the most part. And it's really beautiful. It's actually, though, like, scatting and Icelandic. And, 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 
and just go, and we just sit there by the fire. And he's like, we just need to listen to this. Like, we all needed to go. We literally all needed to leave. And he's like, no, 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 no. So it was at a buddy's house, and we needed to leave his house. He was asking us to leave. And instead, this is in a kind of rural area of Rhode Island, he's like, what if we go deeper into the woods? Like off there, like, we, like my, my other friend was sort of like, yeah, we, we got to kind of wrap this up. All right, we've just been talking. It was like this great kind of guy's night. He's like, no, we need to keep going. Awesome. And I was in, right? So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast. So not as much a free spirit, but like if, some, if there's a free spirit in the room, I'm like your best friend. I'm, right? So I'm like, oh, you want to do that? Yes, please. More joy, more happiness over there, it seems. And then, <laughs> so I... <laughs> <laughs> Later, more, more input? No. So I, we go out into the woods, and, and he's got his phone, and he puts on cigarettes. We had guitars there, so we're starting to, like, kind of, like, we learned a couple, like, songs as much as you can learn a cigarettes song on the acoustic guitar. And we just start, it, but for those of you who really don't know this, it's just sort of like, for a long time. It's beautiful. One of them, angelic voice. Not quite as good as what I just did, but beautiful. And we just sat there around the fire just, like, thanking God for life and da-da-da. And so, and forgive me if you're of, of more averse to things like alcohol and things like that. I totally understand. I'm not trying to celebrate drunkenness or anything. I would just will say, like, the, the, the whiskey that we came, like, oh, we'll have a drink of whiskey together. You know, it just, it slowly, it's like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Cheers to you, oh God, our Savior. You know, it's like this safe space where you're like, ah. like, I don't know what's going on. Some of you are like, I'm not coming to this church. This guy, pastors had a seance with whiskey in the woods. It was amazing. And the night just kept going. Where are we going to go next? We got to go to the beach. Of course we got to go to the beach because it's four in the morning. Let's go to the beach. So we keep walking. The beach was, was relatively close. A good, like, I don't know, almost a mile, but close enough. So we, we walk down to the beach, and we're just like, we're, I mean, it's everything from laughing to just, like, crying about, like, I just remember when that happened. I'm sorry, buddy. And, oh, like, we, there two of our friends had had a really rough situation with a girl. Like, they both were kind of, had been in love with a girl at different times. It was always this awkward hanging over their relationship. And so my buddy was the first one. But he just sensed this moment. He's like, God. Guys, you just got to talk about it. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do that. Talk about it. Talk about it. What are you doing? And he's like, we need, to, we need to talk about Katie. And I'm just like, oh, no. Katie was a made-up name, just in case some of you are like, Katie. <laughs> and, oh, it was like just magic. And so one of the guys starts crying. And he's like, I'm just sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. And, oh, the whole thing just erupted. Yeah, so anyway, it's now like the sun's coming up. We got to go get breakfast, go to the diner. Now, this is like a normal thing, right? This person has traveled to Australia in back on a whim, bought a ticket to Paris last second. Uh, he may sound independently wealthy, but he's not. I'm actually not sure where any of his money comes from. Uh, it's just sort of just, it's, it's a drift. His life is just a drift, constantly caught in the wind. It's like whatever comes, whatever comes, if it's moving, it's, it feels right, we're going to move. How many of you are jealous of people like that? 
Like, you are wired the opposite of that. Like, you have not, like, planned this night out. You know how much sleep exactly you need, and you are weighing the consequences in the moment of whether I can stay up five minutes longer. Anyone like that? Yeah. hate people like that. Well, so the verse, right, that began the trailer that we just showed, Jesus says, like, the, the Spirit of God, which is the presence of God with us, is like this. It just kind of, it goes where it will. And so the question is, are we just sort of a surrender to, like, I don't know what my buddy is on, like, the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, or, like, how he's wired in his personality and what causes all that or what daddy issues he has, or I, I don't know any of that. But I do know not to lift him up on a, on a pedestal at all, but just in general, when I've come across people that seem not just to be led by the pleasure in the moment, not just to be led by the impulse or they're a little more adventurous, I'm not trying to push anybody toward a personality type, but what if that was our life with God? If Jesus' statement is true, and this is what the Spirit is like, you can have more of the Spirit there's all sorts of verses we're going to get into today. You can quench the spirit, like you can throw some shade on the spirit. You can pour some water on the fire. There's ways that you can live that actually like mute yourself from the voice and presence and leaning of God. But that there's a way to actually know when to throw the kite up in the air and allow like the wind to blow it where it's supposed to blow and to know it. Apparently, God is wild and free. And there are things that God is up to in the world that he is inviting us into, uh, amongst other things that we could talk about. So if you have your Bibles, these verses that Joman just read for us, I want to turn to John 14 for a moment. John 14. Before long, the world... Oh, first, let me say this. In John 16, I was just thinking about this passage. In John 16, verse 7, I believe it's verse 7. Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So let's be really clear that Jesus says that it is better for us that Jesus in physical flesh and blood is not with us. If you've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, does that feel like an accurate statement? Do you, better question, does that uh, trigger unbelief or belief in you? It triggers unbelief in me. Jesus, it's really better that you're not physically here alongside your disciples and continuing time, but that you would send the advocate of spirit, your voice to, and what we're gonna le learn in a minute of what the spirit actually does. It says in the passage we're about to read, another counselor. So Jesus was a counselor in flesh and blood. He's like, it's actually better that I go away. And I'm going to send you the spirit, the advocate, who's going to be another advocate or another counselor is what it says in John 14. So first it started with just his 12 disciples. This is how we're going to change the world. Bunch of 12 adolescents. And we're going to begin here and teaching them what it means to live out the way of God. And they're gonna go and demonstrate and announce this new heaven breaking in here and now. And it's better that I go because the spirit and the advocate's gonna come and it's gonna teach you 
and remind you of everything I've said and then, and more. So here, here, let's go to the passage. John 14. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keep them is the one who loves me. Let me stop there really quick. People always get tripped up on that verse. Commands are about life, are about the way we're called to live. So this isn't like if I obey Jesus, then like he loves me. This is like a proof text. Like if you truly are submitting yourself to the love and grace, you will begin to walk in the commands of God. I'm not gonna belabor that for right now, but we'll keep going. Uh, Verse 22, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me and will obey my teaching. My father will love them and I will come to them and make our home with them. Verse 25, all of this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be afraid. He's going to teach and remind you of everything that I've said. So he's saying God's going to come alongside you and teach you. So what is it? What is like the life of Jesus that's being imparted to us? Is it everything I've taught you, everything that I am? There's other places in this section between 14 and 16, the Holy Spirit comes up a bunch and we get all these pictures of what's happening. Apparently, the physical life of Jesus, right? This is this God come to earth in the form of Jesus, shows us what God is like, embodies the way of Jesus, who is the advocate. He advocates for us. Right? He does not condemn, I came to love the world. On the cross, he doesn't say, like he doesn't condemn us as we are condemning him. He says what? Father, forgive them. He's an advocate. Right? We're told that evil is actually the accuser. So that that may help weigh in on our political season right now, but separate sermon. If we're to model Jesus, we need to be advocates. Even when we're being prophetic, we need to be advocates for even those we hate. Jesus is this, another advocate, and then he says, it's better for me to go because I'm going to send you essentially my spirit. So how many of you have heard, uh, you know, Gandhi's famous statement, like, I love Jesus, but I, I, I don't know what to do with these Christians, Andrew Mook paraphrased. Right? How many of you have that sense, right? We struggle with that, especially the way, like, um, yeah, the world has gotten smaller. It seems like the loudest voices are the most odd, bigoted, backwards ones that get elevated to the top who claim Christianity and haven't actually read their Bible in a while. Right, well, this happens. This happens. And we feel this disconnect. And apparently, the Holy Spirit, God incarnate, lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you proclaim Jesus as Lord, he lives in you. And the Spirit is making Jesus real to you. He's empowering you. And apparently we can quench that spirit. We can be more open to it, but we cannot manage it because it will blow where it flows. Apparently, we actually have the power because of what God has given us to live out, to live against Gandhi's critique. And so many of us fail and we are hypocritical people and thank God for his forgiveness I'm not here to comment on Gandhi's faith journey, which 
ended actually really beautifully. But what I will say is important for us to realize when we have moments of going, I mean, who can really live out the way of Jesus? Jesus thinks you can. Jesus actually said, I, I, it's better that I go because my presence will actually prevent empowerment. My presence with you. He doesn't say these words, but this is my understanding and many's understanding of what's happening here. Jesus' presence actually prevents the empowerment of his people to begin to walk in relationship and not just keep running. You notice every time the disciples run to Jesus, they're like, tell us what that story meant. Tell us what you were doing over there. Like, tell it, like, like, and Jesus, what, how does he respond back? With a list of, here's what I was doing. Here's what this is, here's what this means. No, he asks questions and invites them into the story. He invites them to be empowered. He actually kind of gives them his relationship with God. People are like, how are you doing what you're doing? And Jesus is like, look, I only see what I see the Father doing. He's got eyes to see and ears to hear what's happening. And he says, everything that I've taught you, all this power that you've seen in me, I'm actually imparting to you. This life of Jesus in John 14, I'm reminding you of everything I've said to you, that we can actually begin to walk in that. What are some of the things that Jesus said to his disciples? Maybe you could go to the Sermon on the Mount would be one, one place to start. It's this place where we get this beautiful vision of what heaven on earth looks like. Jesus is showing them how to be generous. Jesus is showing them how to live freely without anxiety. Don't worry about tomorrow. Apparently, Jesus is reminding us through his spirit, and we can grow in this the more and more we actually trust Jesus. We're going to get to how to do this in a little bit. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples, and apparently, if we're to trust all this, that God's spirit can remind us and show us and empower us and make real to us a life free of anxiety, a life free of death. How you, Matthew 5, love your enemies. How you don't worry and entrust your past and entrust your present and entrust your future to God to surrender to what's right in front of you. To own this is all I have and what does it mean for me to live the life of heaven here? He shows us what sacrifice looks like and that it's better to give than to receive. How many of you have had an inkling recently that I should help that person and you walked away? How many people felt that temptation of like, oh, I'm just so burnt out. And you've used like Sabbath and rest verses to like justify your non-action. Or, or how many of you who need to keep going and going and going and going and going have used all the like, well, I got to pick up my cross and I got to keep going. I got to keep serving. I got to keep loving. I got to keep going. You've, you've actually used those verses to neglect God calling you to rest and Sabbath. Jesus is imparting to us in his spirit. Is it better that I go? I'm gonna send my spirit and he's gonna remind you of the things that I've taught you and empower you. And where the spirit blows, like where, where, where the spirit's leading, what he's gonna show you, like it's wild and free. I like love this because sometimes our view of God, no matter how much we, we say we don't believe this, is sort of God like making his list and 
make sure you're doing that. Stay in line. I've given my church to help society stay in line. That verse isn't in there. He's given his church and his people, these disciples and followers, to demonstrate and announce the good news that heaven is breaking forth and the Holy Spirit is here to make that heaven real to us day in and day out in the mundane and the extravagant. In fact, the mundane get pretty extravagant. The mundane gets pretty joyous and beautiful and alive when we begin to be aware and trust the fact that the Spirit lives inside us. Jesus had an inner life thoroughly saturated with the love of God. And here he is saying, I am imparting that life to you. And the Spirit, the advocate, will come alongside you and spur you on. I couldn't remember if I'd used this uh, example before. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have, so forgive me. But I, I always, when I read John 14, 16, I, I think of, um, I hear, Eye of the Tiger. Anyone know Eye of the Tiger, the song? Right, Rocky? I don't know what you were all going to do there. Yeah, it's the, it's the, for those of you, how many of you have never seen Rocky. May God have mercy on your souls. Okay, so Rocky is this movie, right, where the, the training is happening for the big fight. And his coach is alongside him and all these just funny moments and this great score and this just ridiculousness that's been copied in a million movies since. Is this just like, go, this encouraging, this counselor, this advocate, this nurturer, this pusher. The Holy Spirit is God with us now. If Jesus is God with us in this way that we can see very tangibly in the scriptures, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is God with us day in and day out. With a little soundtrack in the background, like you're washing your dishes, and it's like, right? The voiceover is like, how are you going to love well today? Are you trusting Jesus? Like, what's, what? Like, what is the adventure before you? Who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to serve? Are you open? I might bring, like, somebody into your life, and you're going to be like, no, don't do it. Like, what are the things that, like, you're becoming more healed? Like, this sounds really silly. I, I understand. But this is like, this is like impart, imparting, he's imparting and making real the life of Jesus to us. Because this is what we see Jesus doing. He's like, disciples, let's go over here. And he takes them to random places. And he tells them whole stories. He does like guerrilla theater and points out stuff. And he's like, kingdom of God's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. He's showing them and teaching them and modeling the life of the ages. And apparently, moment by moment, the more we learn, and this is the one word I'd invite you to, to boldface, underline, and hold on to, the more we surrender. word of the day at Sanctuary Church today is surrender. Surrender. God can and will do amazing things. And he will do amazing things without our will or without us willing to step in. But when we let him, when we lay down our walls and guards, 
we invite ourselves into the life of God. We invite ourselves into what I would just humbly submit is the, it's going to sound so cheesy, but I mean every word of it, the adventure of a lifetime. Jesus wants to give us this rich life with God. And so being filled with the Spirit is not me having like more of the Spirit. It's allowing the Spirit of God to have more of me. It's not like trying, some people like view the Spirit as like the, if I can just like get more of this like power. So you come from like Holy Spirit churches, right? Again, I love my charismatic brothers and sisters. I love the morning like this. The how good was the worship this morning? Just quiet and acoustic and strings. Sometimes we've got to change gears. It's good. It's good. But man, you block the lights off, light some candles, hit that synthesizer, and it's like, like I love it. Oh, give me more, praise Jesus. But even in that Holy Spirit tradition, right, that kind of manifests itself like that, some of you, maybe that's like the reason you don't come to church or like it's the reason you're leaving this church is because we didn't worship that way this morning. I don't know, wherever you're at on the spectrum. It can't be, let me get more of the Spirit. It's not like a power source. It's like if I can just trick this and I like stir this up. It's allowing the Spirit to have more of me. Because like everything else when we talk, it all goes back to the gospel. The gospel is the good news before it's anything else that Jesus is Lord. So when I say, yes, I trust Jesus as king, which is a hard thing to do, to say, I actually believe that Jesus is king. Everything that flows from that, I believe this king dies on the cross and has removed my sin. I believe that this king loves me exactly where I'm at. It's not like this other idol that's going to make me perform. This king says, I love you right where you're at. Will you trust that? Trust that grace wins the day. Unmerited favor. You did nothing to deserve it. Some other things to note about our king. He rises from the dead, defeating death, inaugurating a whole new world, breaking forth right here and now. And he is renewing all things and inviting us to that. So there's a mission and a story. That's what my king is like. And I can choose to live in that world. I can also live in this one where that is not a reality and there really is no point and there is no arc to the universe and this is a happy accident and I don't understand why you guys are here and not out drinking. No, no, that this story is true. And the more I then trust that, right, I surrender then to the will of the king. And apparently the more I trust that, the more I become aware of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And whether it's like at the moment that I say Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit like downloads, I don't know how it all works. And anybody who tries to pretend and wrap that up in a cute bow, you should question. I've read many, many books. However that works out, what I do trust and know when I read in the scriptures is that those who would claim Jesus as king, as the loving God who's with us, that his spirit lives inside of us. It grows and it begins to remind us of the teachings of Jesus and it shows us and reveals to us the beauty and truth. And the more and more we surrender to it, the more and more we become filled with the Spirit. The Spirit becomes our guide. This is why a lot of people, when they talk about the Spirit, they talk about getting quiet. How's your quiet life? This world is noisier than it has ever been before. And I actually think being still is huge. Maybe just write that down. Like, what, I, where, how am I doing like with my stillness in my life? Some of you, it's not stillness and contemplation. You've got actually a good amount of that. In fact, that's your default that leads you to laziness. Some of you, like, where are you serving and blessing others? 
God is inherently generous. We sometimes have a relationship with God just in our head, and we actually need to get out of our head and serve. If there is not someone in your life that you are blessing and giving of your time and energy and effort, that you are not, you, you will have a hard time hearing the Spirit. I say that with all confidence. You will have a hard time knowing the voice of God. And, and a lot of this is the faith that comes with surrendering. The faith that go, okay, God, I'm throwing up the sail. Throwing up the sail. And I want to know where you're leading me. I want to know what's next. I want to know what, not just what's next, like purpose for my life. I think we love to talk about like what's next for my life. And we have a much harder job time submitting like the next 10 minutes to God. Anyone? Like an amen to that? I struggle with that. I could talk to people. I talk to more of you about what's the next step? What's the plan for your life? We feel like we're in a rut. What's the next thing? And I've been convicted lately in my own life, and I've been inviting some of you to this. It's like, what does it mean for you to submit the next four hours? Because it feels simple. Like, oh, that's the easy part. But that's way harder than the hypothetical, what will God do in the next five years? Like, what about now? What about the life and beauty and freedom and joy that comes with surrendering now? Because that apparently is all you got anyway. I've been preaching some version of this sermon for about five years. And every time I even get up here and say it, as I'm saying it, God is, I I cannot explain to you, like, the actual details that are flying in right now that I won't share with you that are like, hey, Hey, that's cool you're saying that in front of like 200 of your closest friends. But like you fail at this. And it's not a you fail of condemnation. It's a there's so much more. Andrew, come on. You're not letting me fill this by. You are not listening to my voice and allowing me to empower you here. Uh, old Roman general, uh, I found this quote a couple weeks ago. And he says, uh, your level of training um, will not rise to your expectation. Sorry, sorry, your, your ability to, to, to do, your ability to, to, to complete a task or, or, or fulfill the mission will not happen like as you rise to the level of expectation you have to do it. It will actually drop to your level of training. Does this make sense? Like, I want it, God. Like, this will be the feeling for some of us today, right? Like, cue the quiet music. Come on, Jason. The expectation and faith is good. I don't want to pour some cynicism on this moment. That's good. But you daily walking the way of Jesus, it will like, you will not hit that mark of growing in the spirit because you're expecting it and just hoping it will happen. I think there's some truth to this where it actually, what is your level of training? And by training, I mean, how do you know what it is? Like what Jesus has said. Like, do you understand the call of Christ. The level of training, of, have I conditioned myself to be able to slow down? I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, and he was like, I'm just trying to get more discipline in my life. I'm just trying to, like, there's a certain things I recognize I drift into stuff I just don't want to do. Right? Sometimes there's actually just, like, daily actions of discipline that we need to begin to put in just as we, like, have our expectation of what God may do in our own hearts. Are we reading the word? Are we reading? I would just encourage you. 
if you don't have a copy of the scriptures or you find the Bible really hard, we have a couple copies of, like, the message over there. It's, like, a nice place to start if you're really new to the faith. Just come. I don't care. Come grab one. Read through the book of John. What does Jesus say? What is Jesus actually about? Maybe you, like, you theorize a lot about God, but you haven't actually prayed to him in a long time. Like, God, help. Maybe it's, God, I surrender. And beginning to, like, train ourselves to have a regular rhythm where we do this stuff. You just getting excited for a moment ultimately will not allow the life of heaven to take hold. But apparently, what we're going to start to see as followers of Jesus, the more that we do this, and many of you can testify to this, you see the fruits of the Spirit. That's what it says in Galatians. The more and more you allow the Spirit of God to have more of you, the more you become patient. of tomorrow begins to fade the brokenness in your life around you and the things that people have done to you or whatever's jacked up or even about your own biology you know you feel like confused about like why you even struggle with this when you struggle with depression or identity issues all these kinds of things like you begin you begin to allow the voice of love and forgiveness to speak in but what will happen then too is not just comfort Right, but anybody who's a good coach, anybody who's spurring you on, anybody who's dan 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 right in your life, what are they also doing? They're not just encouraging you. What else are they doing? Calling you out because they love you. They care about you because they don't want you to have like this brokenness and this backwards way of living. So you'll feel conviction from the Spirit. It's not condemnation. You are loved right where you are at. But if you are submitting 